beautiful people. Welcome. My name is Sarah and I quit shit. I want to thank you all for listening last week. I had a lot of really nice messages from people letting me know about their experiences in high school, uh, either themselves or people they know who also did alternative routes uh, through education and into their workplaces. I also heard from people who agreed with the comments that were made about the corruption of the education system and how this particular pathway isn't the only pathway. And it was really nice to hear that. So this week's topic is one that is close to my heart. Uh, It has to do with something that I have very much a deep affection and love for, yet can't seem to make the relationship work. This week, I'm going to be talking about running. For this episode, I have asked a special guest to come along. He was at one time my running partner. I would say we were running partners for about six months, pretty much the last six months of my committed relationship to running. (laughs) I had this particular running partner. So yeah, I would like to introduce you all to my husband, Scott. Hello, followers. By the way, I need to let you know, I was a little worried at first when you said we're talking about a topic that you have a lot of love and affection for, but can't make the relationship work. (laughs) I was getting a little nervous. No, no. I'm I'm purely talking about my relationship with running, which existed pre you, but then not long after you stopped existing. Yeah, I I think I have myself to blame for that. I'd give you the full blame, but I will give you some of the blame. Well, that in 130 degree or 55 degree if we're doing Celsius temperatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It wasn't so much about the temperature, more about like, you know, my physical safety in the neighborhood. Fair enough. I mean, you were giving a lot of teases away. You should probably just start at the beginning. Okay, true. We are going to get through this. We will give you all the details. You will understand the whole 55 degree reference slash the unsafe neighborhoods. But first... We're running. The reason why I love running, why do I have this deep affection for this thing that I cannot seem to stick with or do? And I have quit probably at least, oh God, I don't even know how many times because it does it count? Does it count every time I say, oh, I'm going to go for a run and I go for one run and then I don't run again for a month or six months? Does that count as quitting it all over again? I think that counts. I mean, you say you're going to do something, you're making a very flimsy, but still a bit of a commitment. You say you're going to do something and then, I mean, you did it once. But if I say I'm going for a run and then I only do it once and then don't do it again for six months, is that the same as saying, oh, I'm going to start running again, being like a plural versus the singular? Oh, we're getting into semantics now. If you're talking about it from that perspective, then you're a very successful runner because most times when you say, (laughs) I think I'm going to go for a run tomorrow, you actually do. Mm, Okay. So so success on if I say I'm going to do it, I do it sort of. Okay. All right. So where did my love or not my love of running, uh, my affection for running, I would say, uh, come from? I would have to say that it came from Uh, growing up and watching other people run. So when I was young, my mom went through this phase where she did triathlons and decathlons. So if you don't know what a decathlon is, it's basically when it's too fucking cold to swim and triathletes don't want to get in the water. So they just do two. Oh, now I can't remember. Is it two runs and a ride or is it two rides and a run? Oh, I think it's two rides and a run. I'm going to have to check that. I can't remember. Anyway, They go back on and forth between riding a bike and running? Yes. So it's still three legs. So they still do three legs, but instead of the swim, 
there's, I can't remember, I should have looked that up. I feel like a real asshole right now. But my mum went through a phase where she was doing triathlons and decathlons for a while. It was when she hit her midlife crisis. I think she was in her early 40s at this point. She must have been because she had me at like 36. And then this was happening when I was in primary school. So she was in her 40s and she decided to go on like this big fitness kick. And she was amazing. She was phenomenal. I mean, my mother rode a bicycle from Perth to Sydney. Now for Americans, for you to understand that, she rode a bicycle from New York to Los Angeles. It's it's not that different. It's like 3,000 and something kilometers. Thank you very much for know. making that translation. You're welcome. <laughs> I just want to, I want to make sure that everyone that's listening has a, an understanding of exactly how far that is. She did it. She's amazing. It was in 2000 she did that. So previous to that, I'd grown up. Let's get back to running, shall we? Because now I'm talking about riding bikes. Uh, so I grew up watching her do these um, triathlons, decathlons. I also grew up going to a lot of uh, different sporting events for various different reasons. I don't know. I wouldn't ever consider myself a super sporty person, but for some reason when I was growing up, we were always at sporting events and um, athletics, which you guys call track and field. We call athletics. I did actually, when I was in primary school, granted I went to this tiny ass school, which I talked about last week that had like less than 40 people, but I qualified to go to kind of the regional uh, athletics thing. And I think, what did I go for? I went for long jump and I went for, was it like 200 meters or something? I was young. I would have been in like year six. So I would have been 11 when this happened. I'm so, so proud it's not of you, like I'm, yeah, it's I'm not so like I was on the verge of going to the Olympics. I'm so proud of you that you were able to qualify from your from the dense school of 40 students <laughs> for the regional Australian thing. It's not, oh, you make it sound so depressing. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> proud of myself. Anyway, so I was at a lot of things when I was growing up and there were other people running. I also grew up with uh, this phenomenal uh, young woman. Her name was Jordana Wellings. Geordie, if you're listening, you just amazed me when we were growing up. And I have this very, very, very distinct memory of seeing her at many different times of the day running around town. And I think it was her dad. He was either in the family car or on a bike or something like going along next to her. And she was just phenomenal. I just, I couldn't even believe that someone could be that devoted and committed and healthy and ripped. Like she was so fit. And so watching all these people made me look at running with an affection because I was never very good at it. And so I looked at these people that were doing it and being like, oh, that looks so cool. It looks so amazing. I wish I could be a runner. Kind of the same way like when I was watching Sex in the City. Well, when I was secretly watching Sex in the City, because obviously I wasn't allowed to watch Sex in the City. But if I was secretly watching Sex in the City and there'd be these moments where Charlotte's like going out on one of her jogs, I was like, that's the coolest thing. I wish I could jog around New York City. Ah. When you were secretly trying to watch Sex in the City, did you like have a backup plan where if your mom came in, you'd say, no, mom, I'm watching the news? Well, usually it would be set up that I'd have like a video, okay, that I'd rented from Blockbuster or whatever, and that would be on, but then it would, I'd pause that and I'd flick over to the TV and I'd be watching Sex in the City. And then if I heard my mom get up, I'd like flick back to the video. And hit oh, that was commitment. So it was you like really, a- really quiet volume. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. 
but I turned the volume down as low as I possibly could to be able to just hear it. And then, yeah, it was always like really, maybe this is why my hearing is so much better than your hearing because I like trained it. Because it's like I had to have the volume so low that I could still hear it, but I could still hear my mum on the other side of the house so that if she got up, I would be able to flick over before she walked in. And that's probably why her hearing's so good because she had to have ears like a- <laughs> She was trying to catch me. Wow. See, yeah, for, um... for listeners, my wife has incredible hearing. Uh, for some reason, she could be in a crowded room where everyone's talking and can, if I whisper, she's she's got it. But the problem is she expects that I can hear that well. And so I have to be like, look, honey, I'm really sorry, but you have to speak like an American and just be loud because I'm not getting anything right now. All I hear is white noise. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating to communicate with you outside the house. Actually, even inside the house sometimes. Well, I love you, you know, we've got, a lot of stuff. we've got a dog and a cat and an air purifier, <laughs> AC, two computers, all sorts of things running all the time. A really loud fridge. Okay. I think our fridge is about to die. All right. So I grew up with this ideal. I was watching people run. I saw it in movies and on TV and read about it in books. Oh my gosh. I used to read the Kathy Reich's Bones, the, the books that the series, the TV series Bones is based off and the main character in that is always running whenever she's upset, whenever she's frustrated, whenever she's freaked out, whenever she's trying to sort out a case, she goes for a run, you know, and goes and does like a casual two miles. Anyway, point is running sounded like a really great idea. But the reality for me personally is not not that ideal. It is something I struggle with. It is something I am not good at. It is painful, <laughs> both literally and and figuratively. And I I the one time where I did manage to commit, and I'll talk about this more in a moment. I ran into issues with shin splints. I had an issue with my um, the way that my feet roll. And so I think the term is pronate, like my feet turn in. Sue, if you're listening and I got this wrong, sorry, my mother-in-law is a physio. So if I said the term wrong, <laughs> she'll tell me. Uh, but my feet, I think the word is pronate. And that caused like problems with the muscles running up the side of my legs. What is that? Your L band or something? Do you know what that muscle is called? Like the one that comes yeah, whatever comes like right up the outside of your leg. Anyway, I ran into tons and tons and tons of issues. I had to have what's the I word? remember Insoles. this when we first I had to buy special shoes. I had it was a struggle. I remember this when we first got married. You had a, a special air cast because sometimes your ankle would be bothering you. You had to do particular stretches. Yeah. See, so running never loved me. See, this is the thing. Actually, my relationship with running is like a toxic fucking relationship. This is what it is. I loved running. Running never loved me. Every time I've tried to run, running hurts me. And it's a bad and you keep boyfriend. coming and you keep coming back to it periodically, <laughs> saying, "No, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go back. Just I'm just gonna, gonna do it once, a little more." Oh, and see, this is the problem. So I sorted out the actual shitty relationships in my life, but I didn't manage to fully break up with running. And so here we are <laughs> talking about me quitting running. I, I feel like we should give running a name. I feel like we need to running? give it a, a, a person's oh, name. Oh, no. No, I can't do that. No. Oh, Reginald? No, Reginald doesn't work because Reginald doesn't sound like an asshole. 
Like if we're saying that if we're saying that running is my toxic boyfriend, then it needs to have the name of an asshole. And then um, what if the name we pick is like half of your viewing audience and all those people yeah. get upset? It's too much. No, all right. We're not naming it anything. Running is running. Running is what it is. All right. So let's go to my first memory of actually saying I am going to run. Okay. And this occurred when I was about eight. I think I was in grade three and it was the first time that I was going to be running in the cross country. Okay. So if you grew up in Australia, do you guys have this in the States where like the whole school goes and runs cross country? Not that the whole school goes and runs cross country. We used to have something called field day where every student was on like one of four teams that was a color and you did different outdoor activities, but there usually wasn't a cross country run associated with it. I mean, most of the time, and especially by the time I got to high school, cross country was really just an excuse to walk around and talk to your friends all afternoon. But in Australia, okay, so we had the four team sort of things, but we called them, and I'm pretty sure this is fairly stock standard for most Australian schools. I'm sorry if this didn't happen at your school. You missed out in life. But anyway, most Australian schools, you had houses. And so when you went to that school, you were assigned a house, that house had a color. And then during the year, houses would compete against each other. So we had a swimming carnival, we had athletics day, and we had cross country. I think those were the main three. I can't, I can't remember another one. I think that was it. But my first time running in the cross country was when I was in grade three, year three, grade three. I'm and- a little distracted because when you you started bringing up houses for some reason. I got a Harry Potter vibe. Yeah, that yeah. People are, people are in some weird books with brooms. And uh, by the way, I never read the Harry Potter book, so I'm purely going off of speculation for this. But you saw the movies, right? Well, yeah, a few of them. Oh, gosh, you haven't read the books or seen all the movies. I mean, I saw the one where that guy who played the vampire in Twilight died. That was a highlight. Oh, God. Oh, Robert Pattinson. I'm sorry. If you ever listen to this, you're not my favorite actor. Uh, (laughs) I was going to say, how did you grow up in the 90s and not read Harry Potter? I mean, we all know why I didn't read Harry Potter, because my mother wouldn't let me. So that's no one has to question that. If anyone's wondering how the fuck did you read Harry Potter, Sarah? I read it when I was in my 20s and 30s. That's how. Because I wasn't allowed to read it growing up. You, however, you didn't have parents that were super restrictive. So why didn't you read Harry Potter? So the Harry Potter books became really important when I was in middle school. And that was also the same time that the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out in the early 2000s. And so at least at the school that I went to, there was this idea that you either had to be a Harry Potter fan or you had to be a Lord of the Rings fan. And so I chose Mm. Lord of the Rings, and I have stayed with that loyalty ever since, even though the Hobbit movies were absolute garbage. God-awful. The worst. And you made me watch them three years in a row at Christmas, and I was jet-lagged every single time, and I fell asleep every single time. I bet you got the best rest, though. (laughs) There's something about us whenever we go home to the States at Christmas time, for some reason, there's going to, there's, there's been a big movie coming out, whether it's Star Wars or Hobbit or whatever it is. And you want to see it almost as soon as we get there. And I'm still jet lagged and I always fall asleep. What was the other one? Rogue One or something came out one year. You fell asleep at Rogue One. You fell asleep at Star Wars episode seven when your mom was also uh, with my family for Christmas. And then all of the Hobbit movies. Yeah. So me, jet lag, and a dark cinema. 
you know, it's nap time. Forget about the massive sounds that are just going on. Explosions yeah, no, and laser doesn't, beams. It doesn't mean anything to me. All right. So back to me when I was eight years old and cross country was announced. And I, I'm sure that it was announced ahead of time. I am absolutely certain we probably knew about this for a couple of weeks, if not a couple of months. Okay. But I decided that I would start training for my first foray into long distance running the day before. Now, I don't know if this is where my procrastination started, but it's definitely like a significant flag post of major moments of procrastination in my life, just memory wise. All right. So I decided that I was going to train by running up and down our driveway. Now that may seem a little crazy, but our driveway was considerably long. I would say it was at least 50 meters. Okay. So 50 meters, 50 yards, whatever you want to call it, same, same or similar enough. So it was about 50 meters long. I'm eight years old and I get out there, I get home from school that afternoon and I start going up and down, up and down. And someone asked me what I was doing. I think it was my mum, And I said that I was training for the cross country. And she said something along the lines of, isn't that tomorrow? and burst out laughing. <laughs> and so this was, and this, this is a family story that comes up all the time. So anytime my family wants to embarrass me about shit, there's like two common stories, maybe more than two, but the two common stories is this one. And then another one about me, like jumping on a trampoline, but I'll tell that story another day. But this one is a, a distinct memory for many people in my family. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, of course, Sarah did that. Okay. So I'm going to try to be armchair psychologist here. You said that you always admired or your mom took you to sporting events or you saw people who always ran around town. Maybe you had a little bit of the montage effect. Like when we watched movies in the 80s and when someone needed to get good at something, there was a peppy song and you just saw them doing clips of things until they were great at it. And so maybe you thought if I, you know what, I don't need to do daily practice. All I got to do is I just got to run a montage to the day before. I'll be fine. So, so my whole life is montage effect is what you're saying. What you're saying to me right now is all the things that I've failed at, all the things I've quit. It's because I live in this this alternate reality of if I just do it for three minutes the day before. I blame Top Gun. <laughs> to peppy music. <laughs> what is it? Well, what's the what movie does that whole um, montage thing come from? Is that Team America? If you want to do Rocky a bar- no, Oh, no, you no. mean the South Park the- episode where one of the kids is trying to get good at skiing and they play a song where it goes, "If you want to do something real good and real fast, you have a montage." Yes, that one. But I thought that was on Team America. No, Team America sings another song that I don't want to sing out loud. Okay. We'll we'll not do the Team America references, even though this podcast already has plenty of swearing. But I guess you're okay if the swearing comes from me. You just don't want to be the one doing it. Yes. (laughs) It's all right. We'll just have my mother and your parents judge me and no one will judge you. Great. All right. So that was that time when I was eight. And then every other time after that, well, not every other time, every other time after that, up until I was about 27, running and I didn't really have much going on. Okay. It, I swam, I played hockey, I played rugby, I played lacrosse. I did all these other things, none of which I really stuck with. You'll hear about those, but, and they all involved running in some way, but me actually getting out and going for a run didn't ever really happen. And like I said, for every cross country after this, I just walked the course with my friends. So yeah, it wasn't really until, so when I was 27, I was living in London and I was in this pretty hmm, shit relationship. 
(laughs) And the relationship ended up ending, yay, and I moved back to Australia. And when I got back, I was trying to figure my life out and sort out what am I going to do now? Life in London hasn't worked out. Where am I going to go? What am I going to, yeah, I I needed a career change. I needed, you know, just a a whole shift in my life. And one of the things I ended up doing while I was living with my mother back in Maryborough at 27, a complete and utter failure, was get my fitness to probably the best it ever was. And one of the things that I started doing, I was going to the gym, I was doing yoga classes, and I actually started running every day um, to start off with and then realized that I shouldn't run every day because I've got all these issues with fucking shin splints and IT bands and whatever else. But I started out, I was running every day and I, I increased distance. I had like mapped out this track around my mom's house and I knew what was 3K and what was 5K and what was 10K. And I would run, I'd get up. At this point, I was working in a coffee shop and I was studying online to get certified to teach English overseas. So I'd get up at 5 a.m., I'd go for a run, come home, shower, and then go to the coffee shop to open the coffee shop at six. And that's what I would do pretty much every day and then go to the gym in the evening. So what was it that drew you to running when you got back? Because it never seemed to be a part of your life. Was it something where, well, I'm not even going to speculate. What was it? It was just, I'd always wanted to do it. I'd always idolized it, but I'd never actually committed to it. And because my life was so upended at this point anyway. It was like, well, now's the perfect time. Why not do something that I haven't managed to do before? I've got nothing else to do. I've got nothing else to lose. There was no one to date in this town. So I didn't have that distraction, but yeah. Hmm. Did you find that you liked it after you did it a few times or was it a struggle to do it? Uh, I mean, it wasn't a struggle after a while. I Yeah. I mean, I would say I liked it. I definitely felt good after doing it. And if I hadn't, like if I didn't have it in the morning, if I didn't go for a run in the morning, then the day would feel a bit off. I see. So in a way you had that kind of exercise addiction where it's become part of your routine and that endorphin high, if you're not getting it, it just makes you feel like the rest of the day is off. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was energizing. It was great. I I definitely miss being, I don't even know if it's like yeah, I miss running somewhat, but I definitely miss just being that healthy. Like I would say I was at the gym at least three times a week as far as like doing sets is concerned, like weights and stuff. And then I was there at least another two times a week doing classes, if not three. I was definitely there for two yoga classes plus potentially um, like a body pump class or whatever, and then running. So, and I I even got to the point where I ran a 5K, I did a mini triathlon, I did a 10K with you, you know? You did. I'm more interested in this triathlon because I remember when we were, we had first met and you had mentioned to me that you did a triathlon. You didn't really give me too many details about it. So in my head, I thought, oh man, she swam like a 5K and did a 100K bike. No, 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 no. Mini triathlon. Mini, mini. So what makes up a mini triathlon? For someone who- one? Okay. I think if I remember correctly, it was like a 1K swim. I'm trying to think of 1K, like a bit over half a mile. So over half a mile swim, 
uh, 20K bike ride. I don't know how to do 20K in mile. Don't even ask me. Um, calculate it yourself. 1.6 kilometers to a mile. Um, so 20K bike ride and then a 5K run. They let you in that water in Australia? Of course. Where else are you going to go? I mean, isn't there a lot of things that can kill you in there? Sure. Yes. And I'm terrified of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but damn it, I'm getting in that water. Damn it, I had that goal and I was going to do that fucking thing anyway. And I did. And then during the swim, oh, this was a pleasant experience. So I'm swimming along and I'm at the back of the pack. There is no way I'm keeping up with these people. They do this every weekend. I'm struggling. I'm not the last one. I think there was like a couple of senior citizens behind me, but I was pretty far back. And I'm swimming along and all of a sudden there's like this kind of white thing off um, in my peripheral vision and I thought it was a plastic bag. So I just kept, you know, on course and it turned out to be a jellyfish which ran into my shoulder and proceeded to sting me, of course. I mean, not my fault, not his. I was in his space. I get it. But I then had to complete this granted mini triathlon while my shoulder was throbbing and in atrocious pain. Don't give that jellyfish any credit. That thing is an invertebrate that barely even has any kind of brain. It's just living on instinct. Yeah, but the ocean, is it's his space. It is where they belong. It is their space. Why was I there? They they were just going about their own business. I don't know. It seems kind of like an alien animal. I mean, think mm, about it. I, actually, if you were, I don't know. I feel like you're giving this jellyfish a lot of credit. Like you're a jellyfish advocate now. Well, have you ever heard of like iraganji and box jellyfish and like the ones that can fucking kill you? Have you yes. heard of those? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's why I give jellyfish respect. Okay. When I get into the ocean and they're present, they're going to be like, oh, that's that girl who actually pays attention to us and isn't a complete and utter asshole. Let's not sting her. Let's sting her douchebag husband. <laughs> I, I will gladly sacrifice myself to save you. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. It reminds me of... um being at the beach in New Jersey in the summer and your dad and I having that conversation about how you don't need to be able to swim fast. You just need to be able to swim faster than the people next to you. Exactly. And as I found out when we first got married, you can definitely swim faster than me. Yeah, absolutely. Hands down. Not even close. I remember we got into the pool and I'm like, okay, me, I'm going to, I'm going to see how I can do. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And I'm swimming as fast as I can. And I make the turn and I look up for half a second and you're already on the other side and done. See, this makes me sound really impressive, but when I, you know, do the episode about my experience quitting swimming, people are going to be like, "Mm, yeah, not as impressive, but yes, yes, I am better than you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, really, this is just making me look bad because when you do that episode on swimming, people are going to be like, can that guy even swim? Was he doggy paddling the whole time? Were you? (laughs) You can, you can survive. You could definitely swim to save yourself for sure. Excellent. I am a, I am a very below average swimmer, but I won't die. Excellent. That, that makes me feel <laughs> That's so all good. That really matters. I mean, your parents did a good job. It's every parent's duty to make sure that kid can swim, in my opinion. That's may true. Also by have the way, to do with growing up on an island. Fun fact, by the way. So my parents taught me how to swim very early. And their reasoning was my grandmother forced my mom to swim very early as well, because my grandmother could not swim and they lived on a beach town. Mm-hmm. And so because 
my grandmother couldn't help my mom if she started drowning. She had to make sure she knew how to swim. Yeah, your grandma was a smart, smart woman. Yeah, except mm. they did the swimming lessons in like an inlet river that had was full of horseshoe crabs and weird fish. And it would probably and it was shocked. New Jersey, so it was probably were, full of hyper. Anyone want to talk about the fact that the inlets around where your family lives are also the inlets where the shark that Jaws is based on Shark River? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit's not okay. Yeah, okay? no. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It make it makes us stronger. Also, we have to mm-hmm. learn how to dodge all those hypodermic needles that get dumped off in New York City. <laughs> Uh, I mean, to be honest, the beaches in Jersey are gorgeous. But as soon as I heard that story about, oh, yeah, you know, this inlet is where like the shark that Jaws was based off was. I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm never getting in here again. By the way, fun fact, podcasting people, we had been married for a couple of months and we were on a beach and I think we were paddle boarding and we were We're getting out of. Yeah. Yes, in Costa Rica. Not in and New Jersey. No, no, no. In Costa Rica where the water is actually warm and not freezing. Miserable. Yeah, it's ruined anyway. me. I can't I can't do anything but Costa Rica water now. But mm-hmm. we were getting out and there were a few guys on the actual sand that were pointing and yelling something at us. And I heard uh, the word shark and I turn around and as waves are starting to curl, you could see maybe 20 feet away. There was an outline of a shark and I look and I go, oh yeah, babe, there's a shark pretty close. And I look back and you know, in cartoons where someone needs to move (laughs) very, very quickly and there's an outline of them in like dust or a cloud that then dissipates and that person is actually far gone. That's what happened. Somehow you transported yourself 20 meters to the other side of the beach within me just turning around and seeing a shark. You were gone. Yes. Absolutely. And I know it sounds like something from, you know, a YouTube clip or something, this whole like outline of the shark, but no joke, there was an outline. I'm not going to try and hazard how big it was because I know I'm going to exaggerate it. But as soon as I saw it, I just turned and bolted. I was just like, I'm gone. Goodbye. It's that, again, that whole thing that your dad said, you don't have to be able to swim faster. In this case, didn't have to be able to run fast. I just had to run faster than you. And I did. So moral of the story is... (laughs) If we're ever in one of these situations where it's either you or me, it's it's me. It's going to be me. Uh, It's going to be me. (laughs) Oh, if only we were doing this podcast in April. Well, I don't I don't want to say that only with certain things. I mean, sharks is sharks is a pretty, pretty big fear of mine. So, yeah, with a shark, absolutely, it's going to be you. Sure, but you still got in that water for the triathlon. Yeah, but, you know, it's the whole overcoming your fear and blah, 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 like you're supposed to. And then we did that 110K after we had done training for about six months, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it training for six months. It's like I moved to Costa Rica and got you to start running with me. So at that point, like I just kind of kept up what I'd already been doing for a year and you started joining in and it was really nice. I enjoyed it. We'd go for those beautiful runs uh, through our neighborhood. The only really, really, really crappy thing about it was to get back to our house, we had to go up a hill and it was a pretty steep hill. So that was the annoying thing. It's like you'd go out and you'd be coming back from like a 10K run and you're running 
uphill for the last, I would say, I don't know. I Again, I'm going to be exaggerating. I felt like that hill was like 500 meters long. Oh, it was extremely long. And then we did that 10K in Australia, which I hated. Yes. So we went to Australia. It was summer, Northern Hemisphere, winter, Southern Hemisphere, obviously. And every year they do um, this thing called the Jetty to Jetty in Redcliffe, which is just north of Brisbane. Or I don't know if Redcliffe is now considered part of Brisbane whatever. It's in Redcliffe, jetty to jetty. We signed up and we did the 10K. And Scott decided, you said to me the other day that that was the point when you realized that you hated running. Oh, it was terrible. I don't understand people who love running long distances. It was awful. What what happened because in that in, run that made you hate it so much? Because in my mind, when we were training for this, I was never a runner. I hated running. I didn't understand the point of it. I like playing sports. I like playing basketball. I'll play football. I'll play floor hockey. If I have to chase something to achieve some sort of competitive goal, I'm happy to do it. But running just to run never really appealed to me. And so I ran with you because for one, I wanted you to be safe running around the jungles of Costa Rica. And secondly, I thought it'd be something fun for us to do together. We ended up, what was it? That was the summer. Was that the summer before we moved to Kuwait? Like we were moving to Kuwait that summer, right? Yes. Yeah. And so we did, we also did another really long run when we were in Washington, getting your um, visas sorted for Kuwait. We did like, I want to say 11K Yes, was it 11 ran, K or 11 miles? It was a long yes. way. We ran from our hotel to the Lincoln Memorial down to, I think, the Jefferson Memorial and then Up around Capitol the- Hill. Yeah, we did a really long run and for that. And then like this huge, yeah, and then back around to the hotel. Yeah, it was fun. But the but- longest run we did was when we went around the reservoir near where my parents lived because a run around there was five miles. And I remember we did a five-mile run And then we had this conversation like, should we do it again? Should we go for 10? Yeah, let's do it. And so we did 10 miles around that reservoir and then I couldn't move my legs. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what makes me think that the one around DC was 11 miles, not 11 Ks, because I feel like that's the longest one we ever did. It certainly is the most memorable one. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay, so as I alluded to when talking about our run around DC, we moved to Kuwait. We we left Costa Rica. We moved to the Middle East. So that's where my relationship with running came to a screeching halt. It was it was really difficult, and I think part of the problem was the apartment block that we were living in. It had a gym downstairs and it had treadmills, but neither of the treadmills really worked properly. It was the middle of summer, like you said at the beginning. It was like fifty five degrees outside, so it was miserable heat wise. And I'd never really been a person for running on a treadmill anyway, but you know, I would have tried. I would have given it a good faith effort if the treadmills would have been working. But there was one day when I wanted to go for a run and I asked you if you would come running with me because it was a dodgy neighborhood. Like it wasn't a comfortable neighborhood to be in. And I mean, a friend of our moves, a friend of ours moved there a couple of years later and her and her daughter were walking to the supermarket and almost got pulled into a van just by going to the grocery store. I remember that. So it was a super dodgy neighborhood and I did not feel comfortable being out there on my own. And so I asked you, Hey, do you want to come for a run with me? And you said, I said, no. Now, For those of you who are saying he's an idiot, yes, I was. But also, 
uh, we had not been married for a full year. Rookie mistake. I was tired. <laughs> I didn't really want to go for a run. I didn't understand the implications that if I said no, that meant that I would never want to go with you on a run ever again. Well, I don't know why. It wasn't necessarily like I made that late, but you were just like really, I don't know, you seemed very sure in your answer of no, I don't really like running. I don't want to go for a run. No. And so it made me feel as though I was annoying you. Like this was something that you didn't want to do. I was forcing you into it. And then I, like I said, I didn't, the treadmills were broken. I didn't want to run outside on my own. It wasn't really safe. And so I just kind of stopped. And I remember that I brought that up a few weeks later that I noticed you hadn't gone for a run. And I remember saying, I'll go for a run with you once I actually, because you're much more observable than me, figured out that we didn't exactly live in a safe area and that if you were going to run, I would go with you. But you didn't seem like you wanted to to take that back up again. I think I was pissed at you. <laughs> I think it was like, well, I asked you if you wanted to come and you said no. And now it's like, oh, you get to pick it up whenever you feel like it. I don't know. I don't know. It's sad. I miss but you, it. But you know, we did go and do running. I remember we do jogs to from from our apartment out to the 30 and we jog on this sand road. I remember we started doing oh, that. Oh, it was fucking miserable. It was, it was horrible. I mean, the neighborhood we lived in was absolutely hideous for running. I mean, not that it should matter, but it was like, oh, there was nothing pleasant about it. And there was so much traffic and so much dust, like just all let's the paint dust. A picture for, let's paint a picture. I don't think we can paint a picture. I think I'm just, I will post pictures on Instagram, but... Yes, you can try and paint a picture. Do you feel like you can give them this experience? I feel like I can give this a shot because I think people need to understand that it was such adverse running conditions that there was no way that was going to happen. So we lived in an area that was filled with these dodgy apartments and tons and tons and tons of traffic of these massive buses and SUVs, and no one paid attention to road rules. So people would and often did drive on the side of roads on the sand to get past other Mm. people. So if you were running, one, you may get run over. And we actually know Mm -hmm. a few people who did get hit by cars, and thankfully they are all okay now. But Mm. between that, between the massive piles of garbage that were around where we lived. Oh, and the wild dogs. The wild dogs. I forgot about the dogs. Oh my God. It's not like we were breathing in clean air. I mean, now everyone is on air quality and is checking air quality uh, on meters outside, but it was probably horrible air conditions as we were trying to run around as well. It was the world was against us. <laughs> excuses, excuses. What this comes down to is I was lazy and I quit running and it's all my own fault. I know that I could sit there and I could blame you and I could blame Kuwait and I can blame this and blame that. But at the end of the day, I mean, look, our, our friend Sarah, um, 
she runs every single day. She would get up at, I don't, I think she used to get up at like three or four in the morning because school started for us at like seven, seven fifteen. Was it seven fifteen? And so she would get up ridiculously early and run like five miles a day on the treadmill in her house. So, you know, if I had been committed, if this was something that I was truly passionate about and I couldn't live without, I could have made it work. She made it work. But do you think running was something that was there for you when you were trying to figure out your life when it it was a good thing for you to focus on? And then when you met me and then we started our life together, it gave you more direction. And so running didn't need to fill that, that need. Are you telling me that? you replaced running? No, not at all. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I'm talking about running as if it was a a toxic relationship that I had because I could never really stick with it. And it comes back and teases me from time to time. So yeah, I mean, maybe I I totally get what you're saying. It absolutely filled a need for me at that point in my life where my whole existence was not whole existence. God, that sounds dramatic. But the life that I had been living and the plans that I had were completely, you know, overturned. And so it did give me a good distraction, like you said, something to focus on. And it made, I think it really helped me mentally for sure. I think depression could have, I think if I had have stayed in, if I hadn't taken up running and taken up more physical activity to kind of push me through those moments, I think the depression I would have gone through uh, or could have gone through would have been a lot worse. Absolutely. And that's the good thing about exercise, not just for its own health benefits, but for its mental benefits. Yeah. And that's not to say that people who have depression, you know, oh, just go for a run. It's going to fix you. That's not what we're saying at all. But you know, there are benefits to working out and exercising. Uh, Okay. So we went to Kuwait. Kuwait was kind of the scene of the death of my long-ish affair with running. Um, And now I just flirt with it from time to time, you know, every now and then. It doesn't help that we have a dog that is terrible at running along, like doesn't- Oh, I'm not going to blame her. It's not her fault. It, it's not her fault, but I remember when we got her, you're like, oh, well, she can go on runs with me. And then this I remember you, you tried to take her and God bless her. She's she's adorable and I love her, but she is not a, a running not run. partner dog. No, she will sit down. <laughs> she she yes, exactly. She will stop. She'll try to sniff everything and her whatever her jogging speed is, is just oh, it's not low. end up just dragging, like having to almost drag her along to keep up pace with you. And by the way, we don't have a tiny dog. We have a dog that is like 16 kilos. So like 35 ish. She's a small lab mix something. We don't actually know what she is. She's a beautiful dog. She was left at a vet. She became our baby. <laughs> yes. Um, but she is also not a runner. She doesn't help. No, the situation. she is not. She is not an active dog in general. We took her to play ball the other day. We finally found like a field where we could take her to throw um, the ball around because we moved again. We move a lot. Huh theme of my life but we moved again and there's not uh, a lot of you know open fields and spaces where you can play with a dog outside because people in South Korea typically prefer smaller dogs and even though she by you know Australian or US standards would be considered on the small medium size she'd be small yeah small medium like she's not 
she's definitely not a, a tiny dog. But people here don't like dogs that are her size. And so it's been hard to find somewhere that we can go and play with her. And so we finally found this field. We took the ball down and I think we threw it a total of five times. Yes. I think you throw it, you threw it three times and I threw it. Oh, maybe we threw it six, six or seven, whatever. And then she was done. And the way that she tells you she's done is she just won't drop the ball again. She just keeps the ball in her mouth because she knows if she drops it, we're going to throw it. And so she just held on to it. And she's like, nope, nope, I'm finished. Yep, because she she's also a lab. So she knows if you throw that ball, I will chase it regardless of how tired I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's a smart dog. She is. She's smart Aww. because she's a lab, but she's also kind of dumb because she's a lab. I'll try to add some photos of her to Instagram this week. I've only put photos of our cat, Mooka, on there so far because Meg's actually really bad at taking photos. She always moves. Um, she's not a very photogenic dog. Uh, oh, the dilemmas. No one's going to care about this. Why are we talking about it? Okay. It's all going to get <laughs> so cut anyway. On. Here we are. We're at the end. I quit running multiple times. I love running. I love the idea of running. I don't love running. I love the idea of running. And so I still flirt with it from time to time. As we were saying at the beginning, every now and then I'll be like, oh, I'm going to go for a run. And I do. I go for a run. And it's usually going to be about a mile, you know, maybe like 3K. So like two miles, like a mile, two miles. I, I And I'm not really doing any more than that because that's what I can do without actually having to work hard. And it kills, like when I say without having to work hard, it means I can do it before I die like I can hit two miles before I keel over and and can't breathe anymore and there we have it thank you so much Scott for joining us today to talk about my toxic relationship with running we'll see if I take it up again I don't know keep you posted if you have any stories about running you would like to share or anything else that you've quit that you want to share with me, you can find me on both Instagram and Twitter at Quitship Podcast. But to be honest, Instagram is much more my speed. Twitter, mm, I don't know how long that's going to last. Also, if you're listening on Apple Podcast, if you don't mind hitting the subscribe button and giving me a review, that would be very helpful in hopefully, you know, finding some more ears for my podcast. If you're not using Apple Podcasts, you could still head on there and uh, give a review or subscribe uh, would be super, super helpful. All right. I hope you have a fabulous week and that you don't quit too much shit. Bye.